the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's all good. Mr. Hand. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is live in studio himself, Larry Rosenthal. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I am doing very, very well. Trying to stay out of trouble, but you know me, there's always going to be some of it chasing me down, I'm sure. Well, this is true. Kind of like the Roadrunner and the Wild Coyote, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Which one am I? I'm not sure. (laughs) You'd be the Roadrunner, that's for sure. There you go. All right, all right. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. I'd like to always continue to welcome our longtime listeners on WAVA in the D.C., Baltimore area, as well as our listeners now for a handful of years on Sirius XM, nationwide, coast-to-coast, border-to-border on Sirius XM Channel 131, Larry Rosenthal Show. It's open mic Saturday, which means any questions at all, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning, investment questions. Hey, what's going on in the Fed? What's happening with the infrastructure bill? What's going on in your 401k plan, your government TSP plan? How should you be doing your estate planning these days? Is Roth conversion on the table now? All different things. Give us a call this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I always like to start the show off with a couple of minutes on what happened this past week in the markets and sort of take a look down the road and around the corner at what's going to be going on in the economy and the market so that you can help manage your money a little bit better for your family and your objectives. You know, this past week, global equities ended the week in, in, in near record territory all across the, the, the you know, the, the, the markets here. Senior leaders at the Fed, they affirmed the view that they are in no hurry to tighten monetary policy. In other words, they're in no hurry to taper down their bond-buying program. They're in no hurry to raise interest rates. Uh, and they said that the, the recent surge in inflationary in, in inflation, excuse me, is transitory, revolting, resulting from, from the reopening from the pandemic that we've had. That's the view right now that they've held for the last handful of months since, well, since December or so of last year. That's the view they're still holding on to right now, although they've recognized we do have inflation. Uh, Jerome Powell testified on Capitol Hill this past week that, that 
that the central bank sees no risk of runaway inflation, no risk of runaway inflation. Those comments right there alone sent the markets soaring higher, not only the growth side of the markets, but the value side of the markets as well. Uh, while inflation has increased notably in recent months, as he went on to say, he feels that it's expected to drop back towards the Fed's longer, run, longer uh, time frame goal of about 2%. Basically, they're talking about inflation peaking this year somewhere or in this cycle, somewhere around 3.4%. But at the end of 2022, they're talking about it declining back down to about 2.1%. We're going to know. We're going to know come this August or September. You know, the Fed's next meeting is going to be July 13th. Everybody's going to be paying very close attention to what they have to say about it. They're going to get another month of data here, here between, uh, you know, for the month of June. And they're going to talk about it all on July 13th. And then, of course, the big meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, will be in August. And, you know, we expect to see what, what, what's going to be happening out there, you know. But the Fed also said, he also came out and said that, look, you know, we're going to continue to support the economy for as long as it takes to get a complete recovery. So what does a complete recovery look like from the Federal Reserve's perspective, and what does it look like from your perspective, and how will that play out in your investments, right? Because after all, we need to figure out what's happening with monetary and fiscal policy and, and then figure out where to invest money and where to move money away from in certain times. You know, So, so he said that uh, the onset of inflation, uh, it, you know, uh, um, it, it's possible the onset of inflation – um, we, we're going to have to – he's basically saying we're going to have to wait to see what it really looks like before they make any actions, if it even happens down the road. So basically the Fed is stuck playing the data-dependent game. And this is where things start to move a little weird on Wall Street sometimes. You know, the Fed is, is going to act on information that they receive from last month. Whereas all the estimates and the reports are coming out, so Wall Street's looking forward to this. The Fed looks in the rearview mirror to project forward. And so that's what's going to be interesting come July and August meeting here. Uh, some of the other Fed, Fed uh, uh, members, John Williams, said this week that the economy is improving at a rapid clip. Conditions have not progressed enough for the Fed to shift its monetary stance. He said, quote, unquote, Liftoff is still way off in the future, he said, basically saying liftoff of raising rates is, is down the road somewhere. Hmm. So, so this past week, the Fed really <clears throat> smoothed out the market with very nice commentary regarding inflation pressures. So with that being said, let's take a look down the road and around the corner a little bit to what is going to ultimately happen. We know right now that the bank's interest rates are zero. We know right now that the Fed funds rate is zero. We know right now that interest rates in the bond market are, are starved. They're extremely low. At some point down the road, at some point down the road, the Fed is going to want to normalize rates, right? And that means that they're going to raise interest rates. It's not a matter of if. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when they're going to raise rates. And what does that mean for you in your investment accounts? So let's just suppose, as an example, that the Fed comes out and says, oops, we need to raise rates because inflation is not transitory. It's real. And we are fearful that we've undershot our estimates. And they decide to raise rates with a statement such as that. What's going to happen to the markets? 
it's gonna it's not gonna do well it's not gonna be a, a very happy couple of weeks after that in the markets on the other hand what happens if the fed comes out and says look you know inflation's under control we now have maximum employment we now have more people employed We're, we've hit our goals of employment and and now we want to just sort of slowly raise rates to normalize now they're guiding the ship into what's called a soft landing right so 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 two types of things can play out here and anywhere in in the middle for that matter so pay very close attention because at this particular point in the markets it is about the fed this year there's no doubt about it it's about the federal reserve this year going forward now on 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 a note to the sideline of that we also have corporate earnings, which is the number one reason people buy stock to begin with, is they buy stock in a company based off the future anticipated earnings of a corporation. And earnings are, are, are due to come in pretty strong this year. You know, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from second quarter earnings starting to be reported, which will be the April, May, and June quarter. And they look to be coming in very, very strong. This could be one of the largest uh, corporate earnings re, uh, reportings that we've ever seen this particular quarter. So, so with that in mind, how do you play this out? What do you do? Do you do you, do you have money on both sides, both the value and the growth side of the equation, right? Do you, do you just pull back out and say, you know what, I'm going to sit back and just just wait to see exactly what happens? Well, by the time that you, if you decide to put money back in. That that market could have already pushed up if things come out the way the Fed is anticipating them to come out. So the bottom line is this. Right now, we need to make sure that you have a well-balanced, diversified portfolio with eye on growing it and with an eye on downside protection at the same time. So take a look at what we would call your your asset allocation or your beta mixture which is, you know, the market has a, this, the word beta measures risk, and the market has a beta of 1.00. So if you take a look at your beta, which basically you add up all your different investments and, and measure the risk uh, equations with them, if you have a beta of, let's say, 0.85, that means you're 15% less risky than the market. On the other hand, if you have a beta of 1.35, that means you're 35% more risky than the market. Where do you want to be right now? What is your time frame? We are moving through the intersection of change, and it is about inflation at this particular point. Come September, October this year, we're going to know what the story is. Then it's going to be clear on where people should or should not be investing. So, hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions at all. Let's go ahead and welcome Eric on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Eric. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help you, sir? Yeah, so I had a question uh, regarding uh, my parents' uh, estate planning um, or lack thereof. So my parents' home is paid off. However, they do carry uh, a, a pretty decent amount of debt. Um, and uh, my wife and I have been discussing the possibility of purchasing their home for the price of their debt. Uh, for the price of their debt, basically acquiring their debt um, by buying their home and then having them rent the home back to us um, with the, uh, I guess, with the intent of avoiding the probate process once they pass on um, because they don't have a very large estate. So essentially, I just want to ease the burden on them 
by acquiring their debt and then having them just rent the house back for me to uh, handle the mortgage, and then we would just essentially take over the um, take over ownership of the home once they passed on. Just um, curious about your thoughts on that. Sure, Eric. What you're talking about is something called a sale leaseback. Okay, um, you know, there, for when when people look to use the equity in their home for for retirement supplemental purposes or or whatever it may be. Uh, there's three systems. There, there's what's called just selling the house and, and, and trading down to a smaller house and cashing out some of the equity. The, the second one would be to do a, a reverse mortgage, and the third one is called a sale leaseback. And what you're talking about is a sale leaseback. You sell your, your parents would sell your home, their home to you. They'd cash out all the equity. They'd use that to pay off their debts. And then they would simply, you'd give them a lease back for life or a rental income place for life. Uh, that does a couple of things. And one of them, it does, it does remove the property from their estate. Uh, and, and so, therefore, it avoids probate and possibly estate taxes if they had, if they had that amount of, of assets. Uh, and then it lets a younger generation participate in the growth of real estate for longer years in, in your life to come versus your parents' uh, actuarial uh, tables. So I, I, I get it. I understand exactly what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> this scenario here enables them to stay in their house and cash out the maximum amount of money from the home versus if they sold their home and bought a smaller house. Let's suppose their home's worth 500000 They sold their home and bought a place for 300000 They'd only be able to cash out 200000 This way, they'd be able to cash out the entire 500000 in that example. So I totally understand what it is. It's called a sale leaseback. Um, you know, then, and it'll work according to everything that you wanted to try to do. Cool. Is there any, uh, potential drawback to doing that? And would it be in my best interest to protect my interests with like using an LLC for when I eventually, uh, my plan, uh, would be after they pass would be to, uh, rent, use it as a rental income property. Um, would that require me to put the home in the name of like an LLC or can I do that under my name or how, or how would that work? I'm not super familiar with that process. It, it doesn't require you to do it, but as soon as you purchase the home and rent it to your parents, it is a rental property and there's nothing wrong with dropping it into an LLC at all right away. It is a rental property at that particular point. Okay. Um, and you know, that's going to help protect anything from happening to the, your other assets should something happen. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, I would I would put it into an LLC right away when you do it. And would I need to purchase it? Would I need to use the LLC to purchase it, or could I move it after I bought it? Either way, whatever you wanted to do. Oh, cool, awesome. Yep. Well, thank yep. you very much. I appreciate the advice. Sure, absolutely. If you like any information on all that, I've got information on on the different ways that that people do that. Uh, matter of fact, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, after we hang up in our next section here, because it's a very interesting scenario. A lot of people run into these these types of issues on how to use equity inside their homes. So, I'll put you on hold and we'll we'll get some information out to you. I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. We're back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are 
listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. So glad you joined us. Yeah, we'd love to have you call us at 855-767-3123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert, here in studio taking your phone calls. Again, 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. And, you know, it's kind of exciting. We've got some new videos on LarryRosenthal.tv. You can watch us stream the, the show live on LarryRosenthal.tv. And at the, the commercial breaks, Chris here doing all his magic engineering and stuff. He's got some videotapes of us uh, uh, from, from past shows and things on there. Back in pretty the day, good. brother. Back in yep, the day. Yep, pretty good stuff. Uh, but anyway, you know, I wanted to just sort of expand a little bit on that last caller's phone call because it's important to understand you know, uh, how you should and should not or why you would would want to or, or maybe not in some cases use equity in your home to supplement retirement income. There are three different ways to go about doing this. And let's just take take the scenario of, you know, somebody who says, you know, look, I, I I'm in the larger house. It's it's got maintenance issues, lawn, just the whole nine yards. And what do I do here? How do I how do I get out of this situation what should i what should i do with all this um you know one of them's called a a trade down you sell your larger home you cash out equity you buy a smaller home a lot of times for cash and then you cash out money stick it in the bank stick it in an investment account to to use the income off of it to to supplement your retirement needs Another way, which is very popular, you see on uh, commercials on television all the time, is a reverse mortgage. Now, a reverse mortgage allows somebody to stay in their house and cash out equity, either in a lump sum or in a monthly payment to you. And you don't have to pay it back until, you're, until you exit the home. 
And, and so the scenario there is <clears throat> accessing the cash or the equity in the home doesn't give you as much as a, as a trade down does. Uh, it, it gives you a smaller amount of lump sum or it gives you a smaller amount of monthly income compared to what you can turn on in, in a lump sum from a, from a trade down. The third way to go about doing this is called a sale leaseback, which is what the other caller was looking to do, where you where where one one generation sells their property to an adult child, who then gets a leaseback for life for the parents to live there, and and it enables you to maintain your residence. You don't have to move like a trade down does, and you get to cash out all of the equity rather than just a portion of it if you compare it against a reverse mortgage then you would cash it all out. And if you're married filing jointly and it's been your, your primary residence two of the last five years, up to $500,000 tax-free, you can then put that money into an investment account and start producing income for yourself to make the rent payment back to the kids and to supplement other retirement needs. So three different ways to take a look at it. Um, and and uh, it can be used very, very wisely in, in a lot of situations. So so check it out, reverse mortgage, sale leaseback, and trade downs. Sale leaseback uh, usually works out the best for a lot of people. So let's welcome Dee on the line from South Dakota. Good morning, Dee. How are you today? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Sure. We have a unique situation. We, we have um, worked and saved our whole life, so we believe in debt-free. We've done all the programs and we are debt free we own a home in one state uh, a home in another state a recreation home and a small cabin about 1.5 to 2 million dollars worth of homes we have our 401k is established we retire in a year and a half we've got our long-term care and we've got a lump of money that we don't want sitting in the bank Um, so our question is we're looking to purchase a cabin that would be off the grid, uh, closer to our children, that would be a place that we could recreate but possibly even be at um, and and maybe downsize later. We're not ready to downsize because our home has a guest house next door and it produces the income to keep the maintenance of our home um, in place. So what would you do? What is your what would be a decision to make of what the excess cash that we have, whether it should it be a cabin, should it be, um, what should we do? We, we think land and, and homes are probably the best investment right now. Well, Dean, when, your advice? sure, Dean, when you're looking at what the best investment is, you have to, you, you have to understand that at some point you need to turn real estate into income when you're not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and so if you're looking to have a portfolio of properties that are, you have to ask the question: Are you going to allow renters to come into them one day mm-hmm. and deliver income to you? And you know the property is going to get beat up as a result of that, right? That's just yeah. a, that's just yeah. a given. So if yeah. if you're looking to maintain these properties for your personal use, you and your friends and whomever for your personal use and not rent them then essentially what you have with these properties is you have a a lot of money tied up in wood, bricks, mortar, and steel that's not delivering mm-hmm. any income to you. So from that standpoint, if you say, well, it doesn't matter, I've got enough money to live off of during our retirement years for 25 or 35 years, then it's no big deal. 
But if you sit down and you go, well, wait a second here, <clears throat> when we do retire, we are going to need to garner some income. We might have a couple of Social mm -hmm. Securities, maybe a pension, not sure. Um, do we then, would it be better to take some of the money that's in the bank today and put it into an income-producing portfolio? So, okay. You know, so that's that's the question that you have to address from that standpoint. Okay. Either way, it's it's no big deal. But it, at the same time, you've got to realize that at some point down the road, you've got to turn property into income if you need it or investments into income if you need it at that particular point. That's the big question. So if you'd like, I'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and it'll help you address that question. It'll uh, it'll, sort, it'll sort of draw a line in the sand and say, hey, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road? And then it'll show you, you know, so, some ideas on the different properties. It'll give you some ideas and thought on investment income. You know, the, the property right now, the property, you said it's a great time to buy property. That's because properties are going up, 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 and up, right? At some point, the property values are going to come down. We all know that, right? Just like anything else. They go up and down over a long period of time. So it's a timing issue. So, so in looking at the property, it's going to be in a growth mode. If you were to take the money in the bank and put it into investments, you would want that to grow too at the same time. At some point down the road, both of them would need to flip into income production if yeah. you need that. So so that's what this toolkit's going to enable you to do is sort of take a look down the road a little bit for what your needs may be when it comes to retirement income supplemental needs. Okay. So, yep, okay. I like the idea. It sounds like a lot of fun. I like the off-the-grid comment. That sounds pretty cool to me. Uh, let me go ahead and put you on hold, D, and Bob will get your information, and we'll send you out Thank the financial so planning much. toolkit. Absolutely, we'll send you out the toolkit, and uh, we'll sure, we'll have someone give you a follow-up. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. With any of your financial planning or investment questions at all, it's almost 4th of July, almost happy birthday, America, right? Uh, looking forward to that weekend out uh, coming up here soon. What you gonna do? Uh, middle of the summer. I'm gonna cook something on the grill. Yeah, and I, mean, I know that you're big yeah. on fireworks too, right? You're a big yeah. fireworks guy. Oh, there we go. Yep, yep. Well, everybody should have seen it a few years ago when I invited the entire listening audience over to Chris's house for a Fourth <laughs> of July barbecue. Okay, he 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 just stopped short when I was getting ready to give out his address. So yeah, uh, well, but uh, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it was definitely funny. So <clears throat> you know, we talk a lot about money on this show. We talk a lot about creating wealth. We talk a lot about tax efficiency. We talk a lot about about all these things that everybody wants to try to do with their dollars, with their money, and things like that. And I have to take a look at, at what the Lord says, because the Lord talks about money more than anything else in the Bible. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 and 19, uh, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what of that which is truly life. You know, think about that. You know, be rich in good works. You know, who let's let's get out there next week and do some random acts of kindness. Maybe it's helping somebody out financially, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just doing something different, you know. Uh, to, to help changing somebody. my flat tire when I go there I'm you go <laughs> cutting a lawn you know whatever it may be you know but let's 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 be aware of of what's around us in in, in our walk on our daily walk 
you know, and, and, and bring it back and let people see the reflection of Christ in our lives, not only with how we steward our money and our assets that the Lord's blessed us with, but are in we, all Are other, we not supposed to be the hands and the feet of our Lord? Yep, in all, uh, in all other uh, a- aspects of our relationships with sure. people. So definitely. Hey, we're going to take another quick break here at the bottom of the hour. Let's go ahead. and It's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. Visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up and like us and follow us on Facebook. Sign up for our monthly newsletter. It's free. We'll send out the information each month. Uh, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Open mic Saturday. Any questions at all? You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. That's Larry playing the guitar there in the background, by the way. He's just making money sense, 855-767-3123. And that's, uh, that's Bob on the air guitar if you're watching on LarryRosenthal.tv. So good to have you aboard again. Give us a call, 855-767-3123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert, right here in studio. So, Chris, one of the things that I was I was uh, wanting to talk about today, we, we talked about this, I don't know, long time ago and 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 it's important to bring up every once in a while and that is what i call financial planning blind spots what are some of the blind spots in your financial plan that you might not be aware of what are the some of the tools and the techniques that are afforded to us as investors but people don't know about how do we go about taking you know not taking advantage but yeah i guess taking advantage maximizing our opportunity that we have when it comes to financial planning Just let me run something by everybody here. I was in a discussion earlier this week about someone who who said, you know what, I'm I'm, uh, 63 years old. I'm going to retire at 65 when I go on Medicare, which a lot of people try to do, right? You know, that makes sense. 
and their plan was when I retire, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be in a, in a lower tax bracket, and I'm going to go ahead and make a big Roth conversion that year. And they were also talking about possibly selling an investment real estate property, an investment property. And so when you're, when you're taking a look at this, you're, going, you're getting ready to go on Medicare. Medicare Part A, it comes to you, right? Part B, you have to pay that premium for. And the, if, if your income is below about $174,000, then you get the normal Medicare rate. But if your income exceeds that, then you get into what's called IRMA, I-R-M-A rates. In other words, it's a penalty rate, right? Because, quote, unquote, you've made too much money. And Medicare takes a look back 24 months on your tax return. So when you're 65 years old going on Medicare, they're going to look at your prior tax return when you were 63. And they're going to gauge your Medicare premium based off of that. Now, in the... So your every year your Medicare premium is based off of the prior two years earlier tax return that you file. So if all of a sudden you jump onto Medicare at 65 and then and then convert, let's say $200,000 into a Roth IRA, that money is going to be taxable to you. You're going to go above that IRMA rate. You could pay a premium as high as you know three, four, five hundred, five hundred dollars a month extra on your Medicare premium. So when people are walking down the road to looking at retirement years, getting on Medicare, and at some point you want to start converting IRAs, you want to start to Roth, or you want to start uh, you know, um, uh, selling investment properties or doing things, there are certain things, there are certain one-time events that you can file an exception form with that exclude it from your income. You know, like, like if your income was too high – for IRMA rates, before you went on Medicare, you can exclude it and say, hey, guess what? That was my job income. I'm no longer working. They'll exclude that. But if you're looking at Roth conversions, that's not an excludable item. If you're looking at selling real estate and having to pay capital gains and things, that's not an excludable item. So understand this is a big blind spot for people when, you, when it comes to planning for the Medicare premium. Just a little bit of a thing here, but you know what? If you can save an extra four or $500 a month in retirement, why not do it just by doing the proper financial planning? And that's where you take a look at, you know, looking at your assets, looking at your, your strategies and your plans on what you want to try to do. Because right now, if you stop and think about this, Chris, everybody out there who has traditional 401k, traditional money in pre-tax retirement plans, 403b plans, IRAs, the government TSP, whatever it may be. If given the choice, if we could just sort of click our heels three times like Dorothy did in The Wizard of Oz and say, can we move all this money to tax-free, Roth IRA distributions? Everybody would do it, but the problem is we have to pay tax on it. So a lot of people have the plan of saying, hey, I'm going to do Roth conversions once I get to retirement years and you're on Medicare and now you have to take a look at that. that we also have to have what's called series of little Roth conversions is ultimately what happens in scenarios like that to keep you down below that penalty rate for Medicare premiums going up. Just a blind spot that people have in their, in their financial planning that they don't really recognize a lot of times. And they get surprised with it a year later. They're like, what happened? 
All of a sudden, my Reticare premiums double or triple. Why is that? It's because of the Irma scenario. So you have to understand there's a lot of little tax scenarios along the way when you're, when you're in these, these types of programs. You know, another blind spot that people have also is not having beneficiaries on accounts. Can you believe that? Just not having beneficiaries on accounts. It seems like it's a no-brainer. You know, it's like you go to the grocery store, you buy milk and eggs, right? Well, what happens you to know? What happened to us if there's no beneficiaries? What happens to the money? Probate? Absolutely. It goes oh, right through wow. probate. And if there's no beneficiary, Chris, and it's an IRA, oh, not God. only does it go through probate, but it becomes instantly taxable. Wow. 100%. Oops. And yes, oops, that's exactly correct. And so it's recommended, you know, we try to do this with our clients once once every 18 months or so to do a beneficiary audit. People have more grandchildren, people get married, people change, people do different things for for whatever's going on in people's lives. You want to make sure that you have your beneficiary forms updated and reviewed. Oh, Larry, that's okay. I, you know, I, I started my job. I, I, you know, years and years ago, I'm good. Everything's fine. Well, guess what? Companies change their software too. They upgrade their software as well. So you want to make sure that that the you know the latest software version that they're using to track your beneficiaries is up to date. It doesn't hurt to to look at that at all. And and one of the most common scenarios there are are bank accounts. Um, uh, Individual investment accounts, joint, jointly owned with spouse. If something happens to both spouses, God forbid, you know. So, so just take and, and homes. So, just take a look at, at making sure your beneficiaries are are active and they're on your accounts the way you want them to be. I was explaining to someone the uh, this past week. They were they were they were. Uh, I would say overwhelmed. They were intimidated by trying to figure out how to start naming beneficiaries in their estate planning. And let me give you the breakdown, the very simple way to do this. This is very, very simple, okay? Just get out a piece of paper and start listing out your assets, your home, your bank accounts, your cars, your investment accounts, your retirement plans, whatever it may be. Just start listing them out. And then start listing out your heirs and your charities. And then just start writing little notes next to each person's name, who you want to get what, when, do you want bloodline protection, if things go to your kids and then down to your grandkids, you know, all different types of things. If you want bloodline protection to stay in your family, the assets to stay in your family, your bloodline or not, maybe you care, maybe you don't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, but, but it's a very simple exercise to do this, to do it like this, and that is the basis, that is the main platform, the main basis of what you would ultimately take to your advisor or your, your, your uh, estate planning attorney and say, this is what I want to have happen. And they will take it and put it into the legalese. But oftentimes people sit back and they say, well, you know, and, and, and the reason I'm saying this is I came, you know, I was speaking with someone who, who updated their estate plan and they were asking me different questions. They went to an attorney, they were asking me different questions about it. And, you know, and of course, I'm not an attorney. I'm a, I'm a financial advisor. But I started simply asking them questions, and, and, and it turns out they don't have any bloodline protection, okay? And they didn't have anything. Uh, th there were three or four other things in the 
system of cascading assets down that they didn't have. So I gave them a handful of ideas. So they're going to go back to the drawing board now. But these are blind spots in your in your financial picture that you want to make sure happen the way you want them to happen. Look, you've worked long and hard for all of these assets all your life, and you want to make sure that they go to the right charities that you want them to go to and or to the correct beneficiaries and how they get there as well. And you want to make sure it's all done in a very tax-efficient manner, too. You know, there's four different ways the IRS views our money through four different tax lenses. Understand these, taxable, tax-deductible, deferred, non-deductible, deferred, and exempt or tax-free. And, and, and understand how all that stuff plays into the whole financial planning picture. But, but you know, neglecting your estate, not understanding how wills and trust and probate works, uh, is, is, you know, and I don't want to say the word neglecting, but just not being aware of it. Get education on this. We're going to have a basics in estate planning class coming up here, um, uh, you know, sometime over the summer for everyone to, to join in on a webinar to do and, and, and try and deliver more and more of this information. It's one of our most popular webinars out there that, that we've done over the time and, and, and uh, in-person seminars as well. So, But, you know, again, we're talking today about some financial planning blind spots in your household, in your portfolio, if you will, and beneficiaries and estate planning is, is very, very big when it comes to all of this, uh, you know, as far as all that goes. So, hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. If you want to talk about the markets, you want to talk about Roth conversion, estate planning, whatever's on your mind today, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal, and we'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio and live on LarryRosenthal.tv. Larry. I thought you were just going to keep going, Chris. Well, I can continue. What do you want me to talk about? Uh, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to talk about, brother. That's fine with me. So, no, hey, you know, the market's at all-time highs, right, or yep. pretty close to it in some indices. 
so how do we put new money in? What do we do? Dump it in. Back up the truck, brother. Back up the truck and dump it in. That's what Chris says, right? And don't worry about it. No holes barred here, okay? Yeah, don't listen uh, to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, no. Very good advice. Very good advice. <laughs> hey, so, so seriously, though, on that note, <clears throat> how do we go about um, buying a new position today? What do we look at doing? If you want to buy a stock, do you want to have a stop loss on it? Or do you want to have a trailing stop loss on it? And by the way, what is the difference between a stop loss and a trailing stop loss? So let's unpack this here real quick. And, and let's suppose you decide to buy a stock today at, I don't know, $30 a share. And you put a stop loss in at $25 a share. And the stock goes up from 30 to 35, and it goes back down to 30 and then to 25, and it punches you out because that's your stop loss. And now the stock's sitting there at $20 a share. But you you got punched out at 25. You're like, well, I saved that money, right? But wait a minute. At one point, the stock went from 30 to 35 and came all the way back down to 25. That's a traditional stop loss, whereas a trailing stop loss will trail upwards. So when that stock starts at 30 and you've got a stop loss at 25, and now all of a sudden the stock goes to 35, your stop loss will trail up to 30. So when it comes back down again, it punches you out there. So it locks in some of your profits on that. So understand the use of stop losses, especially in this market here uh, with, with the levels that it's in between stop losses regularly and trailing stop losses. Let's welcome Jerry on the line from Florida. Good morning, Jerry. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. Um, my question is, um, it seems like you recommend all of these different types of insurances um, and uh, in a panacea world, everything perfect, you would be able to afford all of these, uh, you know, insurances. Um, obviously, I have a term policy for life insurance, but when you make basically um, around $100,000 a year in your savings for retirement, the cost of insurance, all these insurances are astronomical. And at the end of the day, if nothing catastrophic happens, nobody wins but the insurance company. So there's, there's one question. The other question that I have is we're at a, basically an all-time high or close to a high with, with, the, with the market. And with the fiscal policies going on right now with this current administration, um, I, I, I see an impending crash. And tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Jerry, let me, let me go ahead and address your, your question first on the insurance. You said that I recommend all kinds of insurance. Um, you know, there's a lot of insurance out there that I don't recommend, but there's a difference between buying insurance and being insured, Okay. That's the difference, right. buying insurance versus being insured. So you have to take a look at, at your, your home, your auto, your umbrella policy, and make the decision, do I just want to buy minimums or do I want to be insured to insure my assets that I've worked all my life to, to, to grow? Uh, you know, that's a different scenario there. As far as the life insurance side that you mentioned, there's nothing wrong with term insurance. There's nothing wrong with permanent insurance. It all boils down to what your needs are and what your pocketbook can afford and what you're willing to afford, where to allocate those dollars to. But there's the, the when I look at insurance, I take a look at asking the question, am I buying insurance or am I looking to get insured and what is it that I want to insure? 
from that perspective, that's the best way to go about doing it. And it's disability insurance, long-term care, health insurance, life insurance, property and casualty insurance. And that's, that's what has to go into the cornerstone, you know, the foundation of a financial plan is taking a look at it and you deciding where you want to put those insurance dollars and for how much. That way you are properly insured versus your neighbors down the street who might have a different insurance package, okay? So just saying recommending all insurance is not necessarily the correct way to go about looking at it. But, but I do understand what you're saying is, you know, the dollar only goes so far, and if I never use it, you know, boom, right? Like, like long-term care insurance. You may never go into a long-term care facility. The insurance company will win in that case, right? But what if you do? You know, we, we all know one thing for sure. We're, we're, we're not getting out of here alive, right? We're just not doing it. So, so we do know that we have to address the question of life insurance up to retirement and into retirement years. Do you need it? Do you want it? Different things like that. So there's a way to take a look at breaking down the whole insurance scenario. As far as the second question on fiscal policy, you know, I've managed money since the back half of Reagan, then Bush, then Clinton, uh, then Bush, then Obama, and and uh, uh, President Trump, and now President Biden. And so when you take a look at, and I've seen different presidents come and go with different economic ideologies before. And with the deficits that we have, with the amount of money that they want to push into the system, you know, the M2 supply of money is very, very large right now. We've got demand coming back in from the reopening of the economy. We have consumer savings at all-time highs in money marketing, checking accounts, and things like that. And we don't have enough inventory. And that alone, if you're pushing more and more money into the system, is going to create inflation. Okay, the question is, is it going to be, is it going to subside or is it going to be a runaway issue down the road? And if it, if, if by pumping too much money into the system creates an inflationary pressure to the point where the Federal Reserve has to jump in and act with monetary policy changes, then they're going to tighten down the economy by raising rates and doing a lot of different programs that they have the ability to do from a monetary standpoint of control. That's going to pull the markets back down right there. So, so this is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how the Fed ultimately raises rates. So you've got fiscal policy, which is tax and spend by the White House and Congress on one side of the street. You've got monetary policy on the other side of the street. And the Fed is, has its mandate, price stability and maximum employment. They're not going to vary from that. If they see prices rising too much, they will slow down the economy. That's one of their mandates. And that will affect, you know, so fiscal policy pumping money into the system can directly affect that, which then the Fed will act, and then that could have a, a scenario on the markets. That's why this July 13th Fed meeting is very important when they start giving us their, their take on all the June numbers. And then the August meeting on the July numbers. So come September, we're going to know where we are with the inflation narrative, September, October time frame. So does that help answer your question, Jerry? Yeah, it does, but my worry is this Fed is uh, basically has the same philosophy as these um, people that are in the White House right now, which is an entirely different philosophy than the previous administration. And uh, I just don't know that they're I, – I think they're obfuscating their, their responsibility. I think the <clears throat> prices – uh, they should be um, pulling back right now. Uh, well, there's, there's, Jerry, there's, there's, you know, half the economists out there agree with you, and the other half don't. 
And that, that's just yeah. the deal. You know, I, I see it both ways. I've, I've heard it both ways. That's one of the things. You know, we have an investment policy team that meets every Monday through Thursday morning from 8 to 8.30, and, and this has been a great discussion. And we bring in different companies and economists all the time throughout the weeks, you know, and t talking about this exact narrative because this is very important. You do not fight the Fed on Wall Street. The Fed wins, okay? And, and to your point right here, as far as philosophies and ideologies and stuff like that, you know, remember, Jerome Powell was uh, appointed under President Trump, right? And he has come out and said that he wants inflation to be an average of 2% over a period of time. So he says, I want the economy to run hot. Now, maybe he was saying that because he was anticipating he changed that narrative last August. August of 2020 is when he changed that narrative because he says he, he's looking and saying, hey, we're going to see a reopening here and supply chains limited. That's going to be a, a, an inflation issue right now. So so <clears throat> we're going to have to play this out and we'll have to see if he if he guides this thing through on a on a personal note. Now, if you say, hey, you don't trust it, you think that it's going to end up being a crash, then get defensive right now with your investments. OK. There's that's nothing. I, yeah, and that's yeah, where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Right. So if you're if you're wrong, then you're going to miss a run up here, okay? But but if you're but right, if I'm wrong, but that's if I, exactly. But if I'm right, I lose nothing. That's exactly right. Except ex, if you're right, you you lose nothing. It gives you an opportunity to rebuy at at a at a at a readjustment level. That's exactly correct. And so you know everybody's looking at this very very closely. From, from that standpoint. And you can take a look at building a portfolio today of money on both sides of it, uh, for sure. I'll tell you what, you know, if you want, I'll be happy to have one of our advisors analyze your holdings and take a good look at it for you and give you some commentary on that, if you like. That would be, that would be awesome. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll take, take your off, take you up on that offer. Um, Sure. Let me go ahead and put. Let me go ahead and put you on hold here, Jerry. I'll put you on hold real quick, and then uh, I've got to get to another caller here. Let me go ahead and do that, and I'll have Bob get your information, and then uh, we'll have one of our advisors take a look and break down your investments, and we'll talk to you about it. Uh, uh, and and if he, if need, I'll jump in on the conversation too. Be happy to help you. Let me put you on hold here. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Let's welcome Bill on the line from Wisconsin. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. See, uh, I've been hearing ads on the radio for a company that uh, will buy your uh, life insurance policy, and I've got a couple questions on that. You know how much they typically pay, you know, as a percentage of uh, what your death benefit is? I do not. I do not know how much they pay, but it's discounted. You know, if you have a million dollar insurance policy, it's going to be based off of your current health. Yeah. They may pay you four hundred thousand. They may pay you eight fifty. I, I don't know. It's all based off of your current health status right. um, and okay. projection of life expectancy. Yeah. Okay. And if I were to sell my policy, uh, is that? Uh, is that taxable, or is it like the insurance benefit uh, tax-free? I believe that it's tax-free up to the point of the premiums that you put in. No, no. It's going to be – I believe it's tax-free to you. Yep. Okay. All right. Have, real good. Well, thank you very much. You know much. what? I, I would have to look at yeah. that, Bill. Let me get back with you because you've got cost bases in the policy. So, yeah. Uh, 
um, I think there's going to be a small tax on that now that I think about it. Yep. Yep. I'll put you on hold here and we can continue the conversation. i got to close out the show in just a moment here. You listen to Making Money Sense. Hey, we'll be back next Saturday with another obsession of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Between now and then, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123 during the week. That's our toll-free number to our office. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to give us a call. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session. The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making